This podcast is brought to you by Monarch, the ultimate payment solution for both businesses and consumers. The Monarch wallet is the first wallet that can send recurring blockchain payments for your monthly bills and convert crypto into fiat. Learn more at monarchtoken.io. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. This podcast is brought to you by Monarch the ultimate payment solution for both businesses and consumers. The Monarch Wallet is the first wallet that can send recurring blockchain payments for your monthly bills and convert crypto into fiat. Learn more at monarchtoken.io. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs from the uh, Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is a great guest, uh, Advanit Makaya. He's an engineer at the European Space Agency. We're going to be talking about something strange, uh, making bricks from uh, moon dust. So we'll get into what that means uh, in a minute. But uh, Advanit, how are you doing? I'm uh, very well, thank you, Richard. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk about our work at the European Space Agency. Yeah, definitely. This will be great. So tell me about this. Uh, what is the premise that you're working on? I'd, I'd rather you describe it. It'll be easier if you do that. Uh, so, generally speaking, uh, what I'm doing at the agency is to look at materials and processes, which are the, the building blocks of everything we do in terms of spacecraft instruments and so on. Uh, so, I provide uh, advice, support, uh, development, and so on, on the materials and processes which come into the manufacturing of, uh, of the spacecraft uh, and the associated structures. And more specifically, I look into uh, new technologies, new ways of doing things, which will uh, improve our uh, performance, uh, reduce the cost, reduce the weight, and so on. Um, and we are also looking into um, groundbreaking concepts or uh, game-changing concepts for uh, long-term objectives. And one of them is looking at... Um, if you do space exploration uh, on a faraway planet, instead of bringing what you uh, need uh, from Earth, which represents costs, logistics, and so on, what about using right. the materials that you actually have uh, on the planet? And the project on making bricks out of moon dust started from this idea. It makes sense, yeah, so, because bringing all that material would be very difficult. And on a uh, exoplanet, you know, not our own, um, if they use materials from that planet, they probably would uh, work better with that, that planet's atmosphere and environment and not introduce unnecessarily more foreign material. So uh, the idea makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you made a very good point uh, using indigenous materials, which are, uh, how to say, used to the, the local environment poses less uh, concerns in terms of uh, resistance, in terms of corrosion, uh, mechanical properties, etc., provided that we can turn them into uh, into uh, useful materials. And also, uh, if you send especially astronauts to a faraway destination, uh, the Moon, Mars, and beyond, uh, you mentioned exoplanets, uh, you cannot rely on uh, a cargo ship which would take 
uh, months or even years if we look into long-term future to reach the destination. So they have to be able to make what they need from uh, the resources they have around them. So how would you start modeling something like this? Uh, in, from my knowledge, we haven't been back to the moon in decades. Um, are we planning to go there soon? Or how would you uh, simulate this in the lab? So the, the first uh, step is uh, prospection. And that's uh, one of the, 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 the first building blocks of space exploration, is that you send missions, you send probes, in order to know what the environment is made of. Uh, so there has been prospection missions to the moon. There, there are ongoing prospection missions to Mars, where we know uh, the nature of the soil. Uh, so you can do that remotely. You can uh, analyze the composition remotely if you have a, a spacecraft orbiting around the planet. You can have some topology information uh, if you have craters, if you have uh, rifts. Uh, and uh, uh, mountains, valleys, and things like that. Uh, you can also understand the uh, the charging of the particles, uh, the the radiation environment, which are very important for everything you're going to send and do there. So the first step is prospection. After that, you can bring back uh, samples. Uh, the Apollo missions, for example, brought back some samples of the the regolith, the sand, the the moon dust on the ground. And then you can replicate uh, the material that you have on site. So in, in, in our study on uh, printing bricks from moon dust, we used what we call regolith simulant, which is a sand, basically, which mimics the uh, composition, the mineralogy, and the particle size distribution of uh, what you will find on the moon based on the results we have from, uh, from, from Apollo. Uh, so the, this, hmm. these are practical ways of getting information to, to simulate the environment, and after that you have um, computer analysis as well. Uh, when you know the radiation environment, the sun exposure, and so on. Uh, but uh, for this type of studies, uh, we, we rely mostly on uh, prospection data and uh, physical uh, experimental tests rather than computer simulation. When uh, missions have gone to the moon. Were there any compounds in the moon that don't exist on Earth? I mean, from my knowledge, there's no new elements, but were there any compounds that uh, we don't have here? Or is it just a different mixture of, of stuff that we have on Earth? No, there are not really uh, compounds that don't exist on Earth. Is uh, uh, Mineralogically, it's minerals that we have uh, here on Earth. Uh, they are in different proportions, uh, different combinations, but there are no new materials uh, being discovered yet uh, on the moon uh, and so far on Mars. Uh, so it's about, uh, yeah, it's about understanding. In, in a way, it's good for us because it helps us to uh, mimic what is on the moon using what we have on Earth. Um, and then later on, if you talk about developing new materials and so on, it also depends on the environment. So. We will see what we what we do once we are operating there, but the basic materials are the same. And in a sense, it's, it makes total sense because the the composition of the the, the various the, the the Earth of the Moon are related because their past uh, their planetary uh, evolution past is related. So have you um so how different is the mixture of minerals and 
items that make up moon dust or moon soil and Martian soil versus uh, Earth soil? Are they really different? Are they pretty similar? Uh, so there are differences. The, the basic elements, as you mentioned, are the same. Uh, for example, the main constituent of the, the moon dust is uh, silicon oxide, which is the main constituent of the sand that we have on Earth. Um, after that, you have certain elements which are uh, more abundant on the moon than on Earth, but there are no fundamental differences. For example, you find more, uh, a little bit less sodium on uh, on the moon that on the moon sand that we, what you find on the, the terrestrial sand. So small differences like that. Uh, one notable difference is the shape of the sand grains. Um, on Earth, you have uh, the Earth environment, the rain, and so on, the, the, the atmosphere, which causes the erosion of the sand. Uh, also, the, the, the particles rubbing against each other when you have earthquakes or uh, wind or things like that. So you get much rounder particles on, on the Earth than on the Moon. On the Moon, they are much sharper, and the, 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 the return samples from Apollo confirm that. Uh, so that will have an impact, for example, on the resistance of your equipment uh, on the Moon. Uh, you will have small, very sharp particles with an electrical charging because they are exposed to the radiation from uh, from the sun. There is no atmosphere to protect the, the soil from radiation, uh, which will stick to your equipment, possibly abrade it, and so on. So that's one of the, the big differences between uh, the sand on Earth and the sand on the moon. Have um, you experimentally tried to make bricks uh, using the composition of either Mars or the moon? Yes. So the, the work that we've done, uh, there were three major studies. The first one, mixing the sand with a, a chemical binder. Uh, the second one was about gluing or heating the, the sand grains and gluing them together using concentrated sunlight. And the third one was about making a paste which we can extrude. So these three studies have been uh, regularly so uh, sand which mimics what you have on the moon for the the first two studies and on Mars for the last study. So we carefully selected the the simulant material. The, you can find it commercially. Uh, we looked at its position. Uh, we looked at its grain size distribution. So we saved it a little bit to to get within the grain size distribution of the Apollo samples, and uh, we looked into the mineralogy as well. So this was our basis for our experiment. Are any of these environments conducive to making a brick that has good uh, structural properties, or are they very difficult, and do they need refining somehow, if you could do that, in order to make it work? So the objective is to refine as little as possible, because the vision would be to arrive on the on the moon or on Mars, uh, take the local material and process it into a construction material, and you want as little operations as possible because it in, in, it includes complexity. It, it, it means that you have to develop more complex machines and so on, more complex operations on the ground. So as little refining as possible. Now, uh, when you make something like a construction material, uh, it helps in uh, most cases, I would say, to have a uniform uh, particle size. So sieving helps, um, but you have to you have to be able to make a material with as little 
pre-processing as possible, and that's what we, we, we've tried to do. That's amazing. Um, are you at a point where you can figure out how successful the project is and how difficult an endeavor this is? Like, what does it look like so far? Yeah, so we have reached a point where we uh, proved feasibility. So on these three uh, projects which I mentioned, we demonstrated that we can print layer by layer three-dimensional objects or structures. So the first study with uh, a chemical binder, we produced a one and a half ton building block, uh, which is here in our European Space Research and Technology Center in the Netherlands. The second study, we produced uh, smaller bricks um, and also three-dimensional objects with uh, with uh, various shapes. And the third study, we we made miniature structures, uh, a dome, uh, trusses, uh, things like that, walls for uh, future habitat. So we demonstrated the feasibility of the concept. But these studies also helped us to highlight the challenges. Uh, so the, the, the first challenge the challenges are mostly around, we have shown that it works in the terrestrial environment. What are we missing to demonstrate that it works uh, in the lunar or Martian environment? So the first uh, challenge is to demonstrate the process in vacuum. So we have done that for uh, one of the study. Uh, so we need to do that for the, the remaining two. Uh, second challenge is to demonstrate that the process works in uh, reduced gravity. On the moon, you have about one-sixth of the, the gravity, so you cannot rely as much on gravity to, to make your material. On Mars, you have about 38% uh, of, the, of the gravity that you have on Earth. Uh, so that's the second challenge, showing the process works in microgravity. Another challenge is the temperature variations. Uh, in the moon in particular, the temperature can vary uh, tremendously. Uh, in a range of several hundred degrees. Um, so you have to show first that you can build your structure in, in an environment where the temperature varies that so that right. the material that you build will resist that. Uh, and then one major challenge is how your construction equipment will resist the, the dusty environment. So as I mentioned, you have small particles, very abrasive, very sharp. Uh, electrostatically charged, so they can they can stick to, to to everything around them. So how are you going to make your equipment, your construction equipment, work uh, sustainably for a long time, uh, reliably in this sort of environment? So the work that we have done helped us to identify the these, these knowledge gaps, and the next steps would be about filling these gaps. Yeah, it sounds like a really tough challenge with a lot of uh, different elements that make it difficult. Um, is there any uh, commercial viability to make moon-type or Mars-type Mars uh, bricks here on Earth? You know, anything beyond a novelty? Or are you learning anything from the process that could be applied back here on Earth? Yes, I, I believe so. Uh, so in our activities, we always try to uh, to make space useful for for uh, what is being done on Earth. And in this case, it is about uh, being able to manufacture structures using local materials and challenging environments. Uh, so uh, in that studies, we are developing systems which will be hopefully, at least at the long-term objective, autonomous, uh, and which will be able to operate in a harsh environment, uh, 
large temperature variations, uh, abrasive depth, um, and be able to manufacture structures using only the materials you have around you. So these are the applications in um, in uh, disaster relief areas, for example, where you have to build shelters in uh, in an area which has been affected by uh, natural catastrophes and so on. Um, shelters for uh, uh, in refugee zones, for example, where you don't have access to a lot of materials around you. Uh, so things like that, and also a major benefit on us would be the development of uh, autonomous or semi-autonomous construction systems. So on Earth, we are seeing more and more the development or the introduction of drones into uh, construction sites, at least at the research and development level. Uh, development of autonomous construction machines. So what we are doing goes into that direction. Uh, but in the end, it, it's a circle because some of the ideas that we had, for example, the the use of concentrated sunlight uh, to make uh, construction material from dust started from studies here on Earth, which looked into using the the desert sand from the Sahara in order to 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 make uh, construction. So in the end, it's all a circle. It started from work we did on Earth, and it, hopefully, it will pay back on uh, development in the construction industry on Earth. I guess. Um maybe in mines as well, if you needed to make, um, you know, materials down in the depths of a mine, that might be a use, you know, here on earth. So like you said, disaster relief. Um, when you talked about uh, concentrated sunlight, would that fuse moon dust or Mars dust into like a glass that could be seen through? You know, have you been able to make that in addition to bricks so you could make um, structures that would let light in? Uh, not yet. We haven't been able to do that. What happens when you, you melt the regolith? Uh, so what we did was sinter it. So you partially melt the outer layer of the, the grains, if you want, so that they stick together. But if you go all the way to melting, you get the material which is uh, completely black, which doesn't let light through, uh, and which is extremely brittle. So you can think of it as a, as a dark uh, tinted glass. Uh, but in terms of mechanical properties, it, it doesn't sustain any load. So, uh, uh, so we haven't been able to do that. Um, if you refine the regolith in order to keep only the, the silicon oxide, you could look into making a proper glass, the same way we make glass on Earth using silicon oxide. But that's not something we have looked into yet. Yeah, because if you could, that would really take the construction to the next level and make um, possibly livable structures and structures that let in light. So it, it seems like that would be a super important thing to do at some point. But like you said, it's much harder to do. Yes. Uh, no, you, you are touching an important point is the, the psychological aspect of, um, of making habitats for uh, future astronauts on, uh, on other planets. Having light coming into a habitat is very important for the, the morale of the, the people living in the habitat. Uh, and uh, having transparent materials, materials which let light through, uh, could be a, a way of realizing that. Uh, one thing you have to be aware as well is the, the structures that we are making out of moon dust. Their main objective is to protect the internal equipment and the, the crew living inside from the radiation. So uh, it's all driven by how much thickness of concrete or sand 
consolidated sand wall you put. So having a material that let light through poses issues in terms of do they really protect the uh, the inhabitants from radiation. So it's all a trade-off. It's very good for the, the people living inside, but we don't want them to be exposed to too much radiation. What's the estimate? How much radiation would someone be exposed to on the moon or on Mars versus on Earth? Uh, that is beyond my knowledge, I'm afraid. Uh, so I, I will not be able to answer that. Uh, but one okay. thing to know is that there is no atmosphere on uh, on the moon. There is an atmosphere on Mars, which is very thin, much thinner than on Earth. So in both mm. cases, uh, you get much more radiation than what you get on Earth. Right, right. And the, um, you've created a huge brick um, here on Earth, but have you uh, created any uh, small bricks and built any structures here to demonstrate um, how it would work? Or are you not at that stage yet? Uh, so the studies that we did were very much about feasibility of the the concept. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's why we, we chose to make bricks. Uh, bricks in themselves are not necessarily what you the most efficient way of uh, making a construction because it, it it means that you at some point you will have to pile them together. So you have to have robotic uh, equipment to lift the bricks, glue them together, and so on. So the 3D printing method that we applied in all our studies allows you, uh, on the contrary, to be able to make more continuous structures. So the brick is just a, a demonstration item to show that the technology works. Uh, the vision is really to have used the full capability of 3D printing to make more uh, more continuous structures. So uh, we have done the feasibility study. We have demonstrated the feasibility of the process. In our last study on the the extrusion of uh, the, the the paste made of Martian soil. We made miniature uh, models of a dome, for example, or a corner wall. So we have looked into making structures which sustain them, their own weight. But then, yes, this, the next step is, uh, first of all, as I said, demonstrating that these technologies work in the relevant lunar Martian environment. And then to uh, use those technology to make actual structures, and that we have not started looking into that yet. What about mortar for bricks to bind them together? Could you make that from the materials on the moon or on Mars, or does that make it even harder? No, it's uh, if you can make one, you can make many. Uh, there's no no limitation. The only limitation is the how long your equipment can sustain the environment, uh, but you could make several bricks and assemble them. Uh, you would have to think about what you use to make them stick together. As I said, the gravity is uh, significantly lower than what you have on Earth, so you cannot rely as much on gravity to uh, to pile the, the bricks together, so you will have to develop a, a sort of glue or a cement to assemble them together, but there's no, at this point, there's no reason why such an approach would not work. Have you tried to make the glue or the cement yet? No, we, we haven't really tried because, uh, as I explained, the, the vision is not so much to make bricks to stick them together, but more to make um, uh, continuous structures out of uh, the 3D printing processes. So as, as, uh, have as little joining as possible. Uh, if you have to make a wall, you can make it 
in one go using the 3D printing rather than making bricks which you stick together. So that's the reason we have why we haven't looked into joining uh, that much. Because the moon's gravity is a lot less than Earth, would you have to make really heavy, big structures so that they would be stable? Or what, you know, what are some of the trade-offs there? No, it's uh, rather the opposite. Uh, so one um, one thing which drives the design of uh, structure is its ability to sustain its own weight and sustain the load of whatever structure you place on top of it. And that weight is determined by the level of gravity. So if you have lower gravity, your structure weighs less if you want. So you can you can have uh, less material because you have less loads to to sustain. Uh, what will drive, on the other hand, the, the thickness of your wall and so on is the potential for uh, radiation shielding. Uh, and that, as we discussed, uh, the level of radiation is much higher than what you have on, on, on Earth. So that will drive the, the higher thickness of your walls more than the, the level of gravity. Very good. Interesting. So what's the project plan from here? Uh, what's going to happen over the next year or a few years? So in terms of uh, development of this project, we had the, on the, 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 the sintering of bricks using the concentrated sunlight. There was actually a follow-on project uh, funded not by the European Space Agency, but by the European Union, where they started to look into validation of the process in vacuum and also making uh, three-dimensional tiles, which can be, uh, which can be assembled together into a design. So one of the objectives is to be able to take on from where they stopped and uh, push it forward in terms of validating the process in a, in, a, in a dusty environment. So have a huge vacuum chamber where you would uh, simulate the, the dusty environment and uh, run your processes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, also look into what we discussed earlier, which is what type of structures would you make and so on. So these are the the objectives for this study. The imp- practical implementation is still to be uh, decided in terms of what study we're going to put together, what funding stream and so on, uh, but these are the objectives. Another thing to mention is uh, there is a stronger and stronger push for looking into space resources utilization in general, not only to make habitats, but also to extract oxygen or water from the, the lunar or Martian sand, uh, to extract useful materials like metals or silicon to make solar cells. So uh, the construction uh, based on lunar resources is just part of a family of uh, technologies which are gaining more and more uh, trust in terms of technology development. Do you think that we're going to do a manned mission back to the moon or eventually one to Mars that's going to use this technology? And if so, when? Uh, That's a good question. Unfortunately, uh, that's way above my level of responsibility to say that. But uh, Hmm. what I can see is there is more and more discussions, uh, including on your side of the Atlantic, towards a return to the moon. Uh, and not only between Europe and the U.S., but uh, China is planning soon a mission to the moon. India has been uh, orbiting around the moon recently and uh, also has plans to, to go back there. Countries like Korea are uh, 
looking yeah. into the general resources. So the discussion is getting uh, louder and louder on return to the moon. So I would not be surprised if in the coming couple of years we have strong announcements, strong commitments on going to the moon. But whether this will happen or not is, uh, is, is above my level of responsibility. Well, very good. Um, we're at the end, actually. So what, uh, any resources for listeners or things that they can, they can look at to find out more? Yes, you can look at our, uh, our website, esa.int, European Space Agency website. Uh, there are several articles about the project we did. And uh, by the way, we just launched uh, five days ago uh, competition open to the public, uh, all nationalities, all countries, on what you would print, uh, 3D print, if you were heading to a lunar base in, in, in order to make it feel like a home in space, a home on the moon. So I encourage your viewers and your listeners to, uh, to participate to the competition, submit uh, interesting imaginative ideas and uh, you can win actually your your item your printed item for real that's very cool very cool um okay well we'll provide links for that uh, after the show so i don't need thanks for coming and i, I really appreciate your time thank you very much richard uh, thank you for the opportunity you've been listening to almost here around the corner future technology podcast with richard jacobs Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.